All right, so the last uh, two weeks we've been uh, in this series, The Fear of the Lord. In just a little review of last week, uh, we saw four reasons that we are to fear the Lord. And we'll go real quickly through what those are. The first one is that God is infinitely holy. Leviticus 11, 44 and 45 says, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground, for I, the, I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt <clears throat> to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And we looked at several examples of this. People uh, in Scripture, such as Moses and Isaiah, uh, John and Paul, these people who had this experience uh, and, and saw uh, the, the uh, holiness of God. And when they came, uh, came in this, these encounters of, uh, with the holy, almighty God, they responded in awe and fear, uh, worship, obedience. Many of them, they said they would fall down on their faces if they were dead. And so we have to be really careful when we hear stories of people who say, I went to heaven and came back, um, because it does not match what Scripture says uh, when we, when we uh, see what happens when people come, when they see the glory um, of God. And so God is infinitely holy, so much bigger than we can ever imagine or describe. And so this is the first reason that we are to fear the Lord. Uh, the second reason that we saw was that he, God commands us to fear him. Deuteronomy 10, 12 and 13 says, And now Israel, what does the Lord God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord. For I am commanding you today uh, for your good. And so you see that God commands us to fear him. So he is infinitely holy. He commands us to fear him. The third reason was that there are consequences for disobedience. And we recognize this, that there are consequences uh, for our disobedience. And Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him uh, whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. And so we need to remember when the scripture is talking about um, consequences for our sin as believers, as a Christian, it's discipline, the word that's used. Discipline has the goal of restoration and growth. And so when God disciplines us, it's for our good. It's because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. And he wants us to grow through that and to be trained by discipline. So there are consequences for our disobedience. And finally, the last reason we looked at last week was a day of judgment is hastening. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, so, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due, uh, what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so every single person in here, every single person who's ever lived will one day stand before God and will answer for uh, the way that they live their life. Now, those who don't know Christ, they'll be judged guilty for every sin, every wrong deed they've done. And they'll spend eternity separated from him in hell. But if you are a believer, Romans 8.1 tells us that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we will never be judged guilty for our sins. But we will be rewarded for those things that we've done for him with the right motives. And so every single person who's ever lived will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
So those are the four reasons we looked at last week. Hopefully that kind of uh, sparks your memory a little bit. But we ended the evening with this question last week. And the question was, and particularly we spent most of our time on that first reason about the infinite holiness of God. So we ended the evening with this question is, how big is your God? How do you, how do you view God? How big is your God? Um, is he worthy of all glory and honor and praise? Is he worthy to be feared above all? How do you see him? And that's kind of where we ended last week, talking about the reasons that we are to uh, fear God. So tonight we're going to continue on. And we're going to take a look at six characteristics or descriptions of the fear of the Lord in the life of a Christian. So keep in mind, we're talking, uh, this is what the fear of the Lord can look like in the life of a believer. Because non-Christians, uh, the only, only kind of fear that they possibly could have would be one of terror. Terror, terror toward uh, God. Um, so we're talking about believers here. Is, so these characteristics um, that we're going to look at, keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that this list is not an exhaustive list. I mean, there's so much, there's so much more uh, in Scripture. We don't have time to talk about all these things. So we're going to be flipping around to several passages, but we're mainly going to be in Proverbs, in Proverbs and then also in Psalm, Psalm 119. And hopefully you'll see the connection here tonight. We want, hope you see the connection between the fear of the Lord and the word of God. Is that they do go hand in hand. You can't really have one uh, without the other. So the fear of God begins with the word of God. So with that, we'll start with the char- characteristics of the fear of of the Lord. So go to Proverbs chapter 1. And then when we, so keep your finger there, and then when we get to Psalm 119 here in a little bit, you want to mark that as well, because we'll be going back and forth um, a little bit. But uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's comparing, and there's a comparison and contrasting here. So as a believer, one of the characteristics of the fear of the Lord is it's the beginning of knowledge. It says, but fools despise knowledge. They don't want to know. They don't care to know. They don't care to know who God is. They don't care to know anything about him. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So this knowledge is the word of God. This knowledge comes directly from God's word. The law and the word of the Lord is magnified in Psalm 119. And if you've ever read it, and I'd encourage you to go read it, um, it's 176 verses long. But it's very, it's very easy to read, though. Um, but it's the longest chapter in the Bible. But it speaks of the riches contained in the Bible. And it really magnifies the word of God. Is God's word stored in our hearts that helps us not to sin. Uh, Psalm 119, go ahead and go there. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Verses 9 through 16. <clears throat> it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. 
In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So what we see here is that it is God's word that is stored in our hearts that helps us not to sin. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what are some ways that we can um, help with, with sin? It's putting God's word in our heart. And so we store it in our heart, and it helps us not to sin. The word of the Lord that's on our lips, it comes from a heart that is full of his word. So if, uh, if you're filling your heart, if filling your mind with God's word, that's what's going to come out. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so think about the way you speak, the things you say, what do your conversations consist of. It's going to tell you a lot about what's going on in your heart. And so it is what will help us not to sin. It is, it will, if we're putting it into our lives, it will begin to come out in, our, in the things that we say as well. So the fear of the Lord begins with spending time in his word. We get this knowledge from reading the Bible. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So this knowledge is God's word. And that is, that is the starting point of fearing God is to have this knowledge of who he is. Have this knowledge of what the Bible says about him, what it reveals about him. But growing in the knowledge of the fear of the Lord is a choice. It's a choice that we must make. And in Proverbs 1, 28 and 29, it warns about not doing this. Proverbs 1, 28 and 29 says, Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So speaking about when calamity comes, these people who hated knowledge, who hated, they they didn't care to know anything about God, didn't care who he was, didn't want to know anything about him, were not going to be diligent to search for him. It says then a, a crisis comes. And he says, they will seek for me, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. It is a choice that we make. It's a choice that we make. And so it's important for us to remember that we must make that choice. And again, this is a daily choice that we have to make. So the second characteristic. And this kind of, these, these two kind of go uh, in order. So the first one is the fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. The second one is found in Proverbs 9 uh, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Now this one says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So what's the difference? We have the fear of the knowledge is the beginning of knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And here it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what's the difference? Well, wisdom is the skill of right living. So it's taking this knowledge and then how do I apply this to my life? How do I live this out? So wisdom is the skill of right living. And so it begins with the knowledge of God. It begins with growing in the knowledge of who he is. And then as we, begin, as we continue to fear the Lord through his word, then the wisdom begins to come. It's the practical applying of this knowledge uh, that you have. So often we know what the right thing to do is in a lot of situations, but we fail to do it. 
we fail to do it. Oftentimes, if you really look back and maybe you're mulling something over, you're trying to decide, should I do this or do we do that? And you begin to think about uh, and you begin to uh, sometimes really wrestle with what you are to do. When we really get down to it, most of the time, we know what we should do. Most of the time. But the thing is, a lot of times, we just don't want to do that. We don't want to do whatever that is. And so we have to recognize that the uh, wisdom is this practical skill of applying the knowledge that you have in living that out. Um, it is the fear of the Lord that teaches us to live out the knowledge of God that we have. Simply stated, the fear of the Lord is applying God's word in our daily living. So as you grow in your knowledge of God, as you're spending time in his word, he begins to reveal things about himself, begins to reveal things in you that maybe aren't honoring to him, maybe some things that need to be changed, maybe he rebukes you, maybe you're in need of comfort or um, encouragement or, or whatever. But as we read these things, we begin to apply those in our daily living. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The third characteristic we're going to talk about tonight is the fear of the Lord hates evil and turns from it. So go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Go to chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 13. It says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. That's a strong word, is it not? It's hating evil. Since the fear of the Lord involves that. Proverbs 16. And again, this is just a few instances in the Bible. There are so many more verses that speak about hating and have a hatred of sin. But Proverbs 16, verse 6. It says, By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of, and by the, fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. So we see this characteristic in a believer. Is there a hatred of sin in your life? Because the honest truth is, We can say we hate sin, and there are certain sins that we do hate, but there are certain ones that we don't necessarily hate. And we are to hate all evil, all sin, is what this is speaking of. So the fear of the Lord hates evil, and it turns from it. Go to Psalm 119. Verses 127 and 128. Psalm 119, verses 127 and 128. It says, Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. 
And then verse 163. It says, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. So the fear of the Lord hates evil and turns from it. Those who fear the Lord loves and treasures God's commands and they hate every false way. So do you love God's word? Do you love God's commands? Ultimately, we need to recognize that they're for our good. Those things are there for our good. The boundaries that are there are for our good. And so do you love God's word? Do you treasure it and hate falsehood, hate sin? The one who fears the Lord will love what God loves and hate what God hates. So how do we know what God loves? How do we know what God hates? From his word. If you begin to read his word, I mean, we can't talk about all that tonight. Because the Bible is very clear, though, the things that God loves and the things that, that God hates. God loves righteousness. God loves justice. God loves, he loves when uh, uh, the hearts of his people love him and want desire to serve him. God loves these things. What does God hate? Sin. All of it. See, we're, we're real good at categorizing sins. You know, this is a big one. Um, this down here, not a, not a real big deal. Um, no, God hates all sin. No matter how we would categorize it as big or little, God hates all of it. And so, uh, do you love the things that God loves? Do you hate the things that God hates? Um, again, in these, these instances here that we're reading, go read Proverbs. Go read Psalm 119. This is a good starting place to see what does God love, what does God hate. Um, the Bible is full of things that God loves, things that God hates. So the fear of the Lord hates evil and turns from it. The fourth characteristic. Fourth characteristic. Uh, Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 26. It says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The one who fears the Lord has a strong confidence in God. Those who fear the Lord have a strong confidence in him, in the promises of God that he will come through, that he will do what he said he's going to do, that he has the ability to do, to fulfill his promises, that God is in control over all things, uh, whether it be big or whether it be small. Go back to Psalm 119. So, again, we're Psalm 119 and, and Proverbs is where we're at tonight. But Psalm 119, verse 49. Verses 49 through 56. <clears throat> it says, Remember your word to hear your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me, and I have kept your precepts. What we see here is that uh, the person who fears the Lord, there's a confidence in God's word and promises. That's what brings comfort. 
when David, David wrote this, David went through some difficult times in his life when he was running for his life, when there were people who hated him and were trying, and Saul wanted him killed and he was going from place, hiding place to hiding place. And uh, that he had family problems. Um, he had all, any kind of problem that you could think of, David had it. But his confidence was in God's word and in the promises would bring comfort is what we see in these verses. It says, remember, again, read it again. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. His hope was not in his circumstances. His hope was in God's word. It says, this is my, in verse 50, this is my comfort and my affliction that your promises give me life. So he believed in the promises of God, which comforted him in his affliction, in his time of difficulty. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from old, I take comfort, O Lord, took comfort in the rules of God. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. So, talks about the song in his heart also brought comfort and peace in his life. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. So we see very clearly here that confidence in God's word and promises brings comfort. Psalm 119, verse 68. Verse 68. It says, The insolent smear me with lies. But with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. That's the wrong verse. I was like, that doesn't sound right. That's the one after. Verse 68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. It says you are good and you do good. So do you believe that God is good? That everything God does is good? And so we see that there's confidence. The one who fears the Lord has a strong confidence in God that God is good and everything he does is for our good. So when he disciplines us, it's for our good. Uh, maybe God doesn't answer some prayer. It's for that, well, the way we think he should. Let's put it that way. That's God, that, do you believe that God is good? And so there's confidence in God's goodness. And then Psalm 119, verse 97. Verses 97 through 104. <clears throat> it says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Let's stop there for a second. It says, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it, what is it? The commandments, God's word, it says, It's always forever with me. Verse 99, I have more understanding than my, all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, uh, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. See, when David wrote this, he loves God, loves the word of God more than he loves sin. Did David sin? Yes. Did David mess up pretty bad? Yes. But he had a heart toward God. 
and he repented of those sins, and he was cleansed. Did the consequences go away? No. He still had to deal with the consequences, and so do we when we, when we sin. But what we see in these verses here is that there's confidence. Those who fear the Lord have a confidence in the wisdom found in God's word. That if you want to know wisdom, read God's word. Study God's word. Put it into your life, into your heart. The fifth characteristic is the fear of the Lord is the source of life. It's the source of life. Go back to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 27. It says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. And then go to chapter 19. Verse 23. It says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. So we see that the fear of the Lord is a source of life. But what is the result of sin? Death. Bible is very clear that, the way, that sin is, is the, the result of sin is death. The fear of the Lord is turning away from the snares of death, is what chapter 14 says, and toward life that only God can give. That we turn away from the snares of death. So these snares talk about what are those things that we continue, you continually go back to? Those sins you continually, uh, again, you know they're not good, but you... you You just have a really hard time kicking those habits, whatever they may be. They're snares. And and so he's talking about here is that the result of sin is death. But the fear of the Lord allows us to turn away from those snares and toward the life that only God can give. So Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So what we've earned, we've earned death with our sin. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, that Jesus is the source of life, that only life is only found in him. So the fear of the Lord is the source of life. Jesus, by the, his death and resurrection, gives us life when we put our faith and trust in him. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. It's talking about the enemy. It says, I came that they may have life. And have it abundantly. So Jesus didn't, he came to give us life, not death. And we find life in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. And so this abundant life that God gives is one that gives rest in him. That when we rest in him, that means that we can have all our confidence in what Jesus did. There's no confidence in the flesh. I can know that I belong to him and I can rest assured that I am his child, that one day I will spend eternity in his presence. And that eternal life begins today. From the day that you place your faith in Christ, you are saved and eternal life begins then. Now your body may die, but you, your spirit, your soul will never die. And you'll spend one day, those who have died, those who have gone before, their bodies will be resurrected and reunited with their, their spirit. Again, I have no idea how this works. 
I have no idea what that looks like. But I believe the Bible. It says one day they will be resurrected and restored whole and have eternal life. So this abundant life that God gives is one that gives rest in him. We can rest in what he's done. It bring, we don't have to fret about life because we know who we belong to. And it brings satisfaction. It brings joy. It brings purpose. It brings satisfaction to our life. So the fear of the Lord is the source of this life. Do you fear the Lord? How do you see him? And finally, hey, we're moving along pretty quick tonight. Uh, finally, we see that the fear of the Lord is a source of delight. You don't typically see those two things going together, but do you delight in the Lord? Do you delight in his word? Isaiah 11.3, we read that a couple weeks ago, but talks about how the Messiah would delight in the fear of the Lord. Uh, go back to Psalm 119, verse 16. Psalm 119, verse 16. Oop, went too far. 119, verse 16. And again, we're going to read two of them in Psalm 119. Read all 176 verses and you'll see this over and over and over. Verse 16. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Do you delight... In God's word. Do you delight in the commandments of God's word? See, I think if we would have a true understanding that God is good and that everything God does is good and that anything that is in his word is for our good, we, could, we would have a better understanding and more of a, an ability to delight in them because we understand that God has our best interest in mind. It's for our good. Uh, then verse 24 of Psalm 119. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. So you statutes, commandments, testimonies. Psalm 119 uses a lot of words to describe God's law, describe God's word. But it says they are my counselor. So when you have something going on in life, where do you go? It's okay and it's good to ask for help. That's not... That's not uh, we should do those things. And, we, and I hope you have those relationships where you can do those things. But do you ever first go to God's word? Do you go to God's word as, and see it as your counselor? See it as your help? Um, sometimes it's good to have people who can help us understand it. Who can help understand what maybe uh, somebody that you trust, that's a godly person, can give you godly advice, and these are good things, and we should use those. But do you go first to God's word and see it as David did? Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Do you delight in God's word? Do you see it as your counsel? As it, because ultimately, we need to remember that the word of God is the ultimate authority um, in our life. Uh, go to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. It says, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So prior to that, and we'll talk about this here either next week or the week after. I can't remember which week it is. We'll talk about chapter 2. But it talks about obtaining wisdom. It talks about seeking God. Seeking it as if it were a hidden treasure. Seeking it as, the, as this is the most valuable thing on earth. It says, if you seek God with all your heart, if you seek it as it is treasure, if you see it, uh, the beauty in it and the rich, richness of it, this is what it does. It says, wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. It will bring pleasantness um, to your soul. So the fear of the Lord is the source of delight. So those six things, just in really quick in review. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Again, the knowledge comes from where? God's word. Spending time in God's word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is the skill of applying the knowledge that we have. The fear of the Lord, number three, hates evil and turns away from it. Number four, the word, the one who fears the Lord has a strong confidence in God. Number five, the fear of the Lord is the source of life. And number six, the fear of the Lord is a source of delight. Again, we're talking about what the fear of the Lord looks like in the life of a Christian. Fear of the Lord in a person who doesn't know God is a terror as a, as a slave would be toward a master. It's a terror. Uh, that's not so with the believers. So to wrap this up, the word of God and the fear of the Lord are deeply connected, and I hope you saw that tonight. Psalm 119 speaks, it's all about the word of God. It's the longest chapter in scripture, 176 verses, and it magnifies and lifts up and talks about the greatness of God's word. So I hope you were able to see this connection that the word of God and the fear of the Lord are deeply connected. They go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the, without the other. You cannot fear the Lord without knowing and loving God's word. How would you fear the Lord if you don't know his word? If you don't know what, God, if you don't know what God's about, if you don't know him well, how can you fear him? You cannot fear the Lord without knowing and loving God's word and allowing it to do what it's intended to do. Psalm 119, verse 161 says, and this is on your, I wrote that on your handout, this verse. But it says, it's kind of funny the way it, the way it comes together, but it says, princes persecute me without cause. It says, but my heart stands in awe of your words. So it, it would appear that he's describing uh, kind of a situation in his life that would not be real pleasant. He's being pursued. He's being persecuted without cause. It says, but my heart stands in awe of your words. So when you read God's word, do you stand in awe of it? As it reveals God, as it reveals his plan, as it reveals his will, do you stand in awe of his words as David did? The fear of the Lord, with this we'll wrap up, but the fear of the Lord begins with the word of God. Again, you cannot fear the Lord if you don't know God's word. You can't do it. So the fear of the Lord begins with the word of God. Those who fear the Lord spend time in it. 
They allow it to do its work in their souls, and they stand in awe of what it reveals about our great God. Because as we spend time in God's word, as he begins to reveal more of himself to us, again, it's not a dream. It's not something you receive that someone says, oh, I had a dream. God doesn't speak to us that way. Right away, dismiss that. God speaks to us through his word. So as you're reading, as you spend time in it, as he's revealing things to you, as you allow it to do its work in your soul, God's word is alive, it's active, it's not just dead words on a page. Allow it to do its work in your soul. And then stand in awe about what it reveals about who God is. Because, again, as we talked about the last three, two weeks, I guess, prior to this, is God is, he is a great big God that we can't describe, that we can't fully understand. And we are to fear him and stand in awe of him. And so these characteristics, again, this is not all of them. This is just a few um, of what the fear of the Lord uh, may look like in the life of a believer. Are you growing in your knowledge? Are you growing in wisdom? Are you growing in your hatred of evil? Again, we'll never get there. But are you growing in that hatred of evil? Do you have a strong confidence in God? Do you recognize and realize that the fear of the Lord is a source of life and that the fear of the Lord is a source of delight? Do you delight in God's word? Do you delight in the fear of the Lord? Do you recognize where life, true life, comes from? It comes from God. And he came to give us that life. But we have to trust in him, walk with him, seek him. That's where that will come. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here again tonight. We thank you for the study on the fear of the Lord. And and God, I ask that you'd help these characteristics be true in each one of us. That we would continually spend time in your word. That our knowledge of you would grow. That we begin to grow in wisdom. That we begin to grow in our hatred of of sin um, and evilness. That we would mourn over the sin that's in our own lives. Uh, God, because we understand that it grieves your heart. Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, have this strong confidence um, in you and recognize the source of life is is from God alone and uh, that we would delight in serving you. We would delight in coming to know you better, that we would delight in fearing you, that we'd stand in awe of who you are as we study your word. And, uh, Lord, we understand tonight that those two are connected, that we cannot fear you the way that you desire if we do not know you. So, God, I pray that you'd help us to know you better as a result of going into your word consistently. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.